0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: Dad, this is episode seven of our podcast. So you're watching the NHL last week. So what did you notice?
2: Yeah, I noticed uh, I noticed something that an unwritten code in, in the National Hockey League and any league And this is something for you younger coaches and as you coach younger hockey and everything. Um, The Islanders are winning 3-1. They're winning 3-1. And Nashville come back and scored seven straight goals. (laughs) That's unbelievable. And now they're losing 8-3. The Islanders are losing 8-3. And and LaViette did something that unless the guy was somebody was running around, but I, I don't think so. I don't remember anybody running around. He put on his number one power play. I mean, that, that is a pretty good power play. They had uh, Duchesne, Forsberg, Johansson, Josie, and Ellis. You don't, in, late in the game, put on your number one power play when you're pounding the other team 8-3. Now, I remember when I coached the Boston Bruins, I coached the year and all that stuff and everything, but we had the toughest team in the world, maybe the toughest team in any sport. When we get up five-one, the one thing I would never do, I would never put on the number one power play, because I'll tell you one thing: the other coaches and the other players uh, see that. What are you trying to do? Is run them run them down and make them look bad? And I'll tell you, it's it. it what ha- well, all you do is give ammunition to the other club. Now you, they're going to say. I think that it's February thirteenth. I think is their next game. You do not do things like that because the other team, the Islanders will be pumped up sky high, ready to go. You just don't do things like that. Remember that young coaches, remember that when you're really beating a team and they're down and like that late in the game, put on your third and fourth line. That's how we had 11, 20 or more goal scores. You do not do things like that. It's an unwritten rule in hockey and Barry Trotz, what did he say, Tim? What what was it? What was he say about uh, Peter
1: Lafayette? Uh, he was quoted saying, "It was it's 8-3 and you're putting your guys on blasting pucks and you're putting guys at risk. That's fine. Everybody has their own way of doing things. I probably wouldn't have done it that way. It tells me a lot about him.
2: Well, Barry Trotz, he's making $6 million, so he must be doing something, right? He's won the Stanley Cup. He was very kind. I would have said something else. But remember that you do not, when you're pounding the other club, The other team notices who you put on. And when I coached the Boston Bruins, we get up 5-1. The number one power play would never get on the ice again. That's why we had 11-20 goal scores. Remember that. Barry Trotz and the New York Islanders will be sky high February 13th waiting. Just can hardly wait to play Nashville again.
1: So the other big news this week, Dad, was uh, Taylor Hall was traded from uh, New Jersey to Arizona. I remember the very first time I saw Taylor Hall. It
2: was it was at a Marley tournament. we they're having a Marley tournament here, and Kingston came up, and the Marley guy, the head of the tournament, said to me, "Pick the best player." So Kingston got beat two nothing. So for the best player, I picked Taylor Hall, and he come up to me, I and mean, he's, "What the going on?" He says, "Kingston gets beat t- you, and you picked Taylor Hall. He didn't know score a goal." I said, "You picked said pick the best player." So. The best player and I think he got six goals that afternoon Taylor Hall everybody thinks it's a rent you know that he's going to go out, going to go there I mean they give up a lot they give up you know I when I was um, Marley's there was a kid playing for Marley's they give up uh, Kevin Ball and I remember the st- I remember watching it one time they' were watching a game and he, this Irish little Irish guy back in the net the other team. He come down ninety miles an hour. And I, I see Taylor I see Kevin just standing at the blue line. He, he's about six foot five. And he just standing there like <laughs> and the little guy ran into him. So naturally he falls the, the falls down on the whole deal. So I'm thinking, holy smokes, you know. I mean the kid's laying there. He looked like he was dead, but he he bounced back up. So the referee gives him um, uh, it to the head and thrown out and the whole deal and everything. So I never ever said anything to referees before. But as they were leaving, I said, "Come on!" I said, "The guy's six foot five. He's I know Grace. He said, "What am I supposed to do?" This is the referee talking. What am I supposed to do? He said, "The kid's laying there in the ice." I said, "Yeah, but he just stood there." I tell you, they give up a pretty good player in that Kevin Ball. But anybody, everybody thinks that uh, that Taylor Hall is just a rent-a player and that he's going to leave. I don't think so. He's going to get with Rick Tocchet, who I think should be coached the year this year in the National Hockey League. I think that he'll see how he's treated. Listen, if you if, if he can get along with Kessel out there, he can get along with anybody. But I think he's got a nice spot there. they got a winning club. They've got a good club. They're ready to go. And Rick Tockett's a good coach. He knows how to treat it. I think he'll stay there this year. They will they give up a first-round draft choice. They give up Kevin Ball, some pretty good players. I think they're going to offer some pretty good dough. I think he'll stay in Phoenix.
1: So, Dad, on Twitter, you put out we were going to talk about some uh, questions that the fans can write in, and uh, a couple of the fans wondered. Couple, I think, didn't we had, had over fi- over five hundred uh, uh, responses, and a few of the people asked uh, to talk about some of your roommates that you've had over the years.
2: Well, the guy that I was roommate the longest in, in all my career was Daryl Sly from Collingwood, Ontario, and you know this guy could really skate. I mean, I, the only guy I ever saw that could skate better was, uh, of course, Bobby Orr, and coffee, coffee, uh, but Daryl could skate like anything, you know, but he had had a college education, and believe it or not, this is hard to believe, the powers to be in hockey, if you had a college education, you got more money, in fact, I think he got about $15,000, I got uh, 50, I I was making 5,200, No, I must tell you a story about that one too, as we go along, I remember Jack Riley, the general manager of Rochester, called me in one day. Halfway through the season, he said, I'm going to give you $6,000. And I always thought, boy, oh boy, what a guy, giving me an $800 raise. And about about 30 years later, I met him, and he says, you know, Don, remember the time I called you in my office and I said I was going to give you $6,000? Uh, and I said, yeah, and I always remember that. He said, well, I'm going to tell you the truth. He said, the rookie's coming down from Toronto uh, the, the, with the Maple Leafs for make 6000 There was no way I was going to pay you. They've been in the league for 12 or 13 years. I was going to pay you 5200 oh, So thank Jack. I Listen, I appreciated the money. Anyhow, let me tell you about uh, Daryl. He could skate. He could do anything. And and what he did was to save his money. He was a sharp guy. Sylvia, his wife, was a nurse. And she could, you know, everybody wants to you know, work a nurse. On, so she worked. They lived on her money, and he banked all his money, that he, all the time, bingo, right in the bank. And when he was through, he went, uh, and you remember uh, Chrysler at that time, way back then, was really down. He bought the Chrysler for z- next to nothing in Collingwood. I think you call it Blue Mountain Chrysler. Anyhow, and then I, uh, coca, I'm getting, I'm going on and on here, but any, I, coca straightened out uh, Chrysler, took off, and very, 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 very valuable, um, uh, Blue Mountain. I think they called Blue Mountain. Yeah, Chrysler. Blue, Is that Blue, Blue Mountain called? Chrysler. Yep. Anyhow, I could all tell if Daryl was coming in late, and I was in bed and I was half asleep. I could always tell it was Daryl. You know how I could tell because coming down the hall, I'd hear him, and when he coming down the hall, I could hear his ankle crack, crack, crack. Coming down, I just thought of it now, and. Uh, you know, one thing about him, When I remember sometimes he used to do this. He stopped it because I told him. I'd be sleeping, and as a joke, he'd, he'd get right up close to me and stare, and, and I'd open up my eyes, and there'd be two eyes looking at me like that. Anyhow, I, must tell, I think he was a pretty good hockey player. Like I said, if he had had more desire, and if he had had in the National Hockey League, I think he could have been a great hockey player in the National Hockey League. But I must tell you about the time, uh, uh, about Daryl, and, and the frogs. I mean, this is one of the best stories, I think, of all time. So I'm laying in bed, and I don't know, I'm rooming alone. My roommate must have left or something at the training camp. And Daryl was rooming alone. All of a sudden, I heard this bang, bang, bang at the door. And he's absolutely, I opened the door, and there's Daryl. He's absolutely terrified. Little did I know he was terrified of frogs. Frogs, yeah. And unbelievable. He says, my room is full of frogs. Man, I thought, you know, this guy's going insane. So I went, and I looked, and sure enough, there's frogs all over the place. And I, I, and I picked up all the frogs. And I'll tell you how, how we got all the frogs got in there uh, a little later. So I picked up all the frogs, put them in a pail. I remember in a pail. There was a ton of them. And he went back in again, and he went back, tried to go to sleep again. And the frogs, naturally, dark. they'd am jumping all over again. So he slept, in my, slept on the floor in my room. He came back and went in. And what happened is all the guys knew this is the way they work it in hockey. All the guys knew all, he was afraid of frogs. I remember they had a few, uh, ha- had a few points. And they said, let's get some frogs late at night. So they got some flashlight and they went to a swamp. And the farmer who owned the land saw all these flashlights in about the swamp. He phones the police. So the police turn up and they tell him what they're doing. Anything. So anyhow, they catch all the frogs. And Daryl's out that, and he puts, they let the frogs go in in his room. And Daryl comes in late at night, doesn't turn the light on and everything. And that's how all the frogs get in there. I'll tell you one thing. So the next morning, we get all the frogs. I make sure I got all the frogs. Now, we're in my car. Now, we're, and we're early in the morning. We're going to drive. We're going to let the frogs go. In a, I guess in Peterborough, there's a little lake in the middle. And now the, the police see us driving slow. Two guys in a car early in the morning driving slow. So they follow us around, and we let the frogs go. But I never, ever forgot... Daryl, absolutely terrified of the frogs. And another roommate I have, I'm not going to say his name, but you know who you are. And, uh, and if you're listening, and I know you all listen, that uh, I'll tell you one of the greatest stunts ever pulled, that uh, him and another guy, we're, I think we were with the Vancouver at the time. Yeah, we were with the Vancouver. And um, they had a few points, as uh, pops, as they say. And they were on a golf course. And they thought, well, they're not walking all the way back to the, to the, the hotel. They took a, a golf cart and they drove down the uh, down the highway through the lobby, through the lobby of the hotel, out the lobby, and into the pool. They drove the golf cart into the pool. Now, naturally, they're soaking wet, and there's a the there's a the golf cart in the bottom of the pool. And naturally, they phoned the police. So he comes to the room, and he's and now he's kind of sobered up, and he gets behind the door, and all of a sudden, the bang! And I, what the heck's going on? He's all wet and everything. Banging at the door, and I opened the door, and there's two policemen there. Let me tell you, talk about scared. They, they were like the, they were like in a movie. They had the jack boots on, they had the sunglasses, the big helmet, the the leather gloves, and everything. And there was two of them. Uh, and I remember, I remember. He said to me, he said, "Anybody ever been? Has anybody been in this room?" That uh, but, you know, and that. Oh, and I said, "No, no, nobody." And you could see the water all the way in. And finally, come up. Now the the policeman in the back, <laughs> the other policeman is laughing because he can hardly keep from breaking up. And I, they took, they took uh, oh, I better not say his name. They took my roommate away, and I don't know what happened to him, but uh, the, Cro- the Crozier, Joe Crozier figured it, got him out of it, and the whole deal. But can you imagine, we walked out, and there's a golf cart at the bottom of the pool. I don't know how we got away with that stuff. Now another time, same roommate, and, and you know who you are, uh, you come in late and I'm sitting in bed reading the paper. I'll never forget I was reading the paper and it kept going up hot, hot, hot. And I guess he had a few beers that day. And he says, it's hot in here. And it's he has a big bay window, right? The big bay window. He says, I'm going to throw a shoe right through that window. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. And he fired a shoe. We were up high, fired the shoe, the shoe, great big hole in the middle of the window. And I remember the curtains go straight out and the shoe bounces back. I mean, uh, the all night we almost froze and thing got away, and we got away with it. I don't, I just don't, I, I don't understand it. We got, away, nobody never heard anything about it. But got a big hole in the window. But I remember when he was a young guy in junior, and uh, we, were in, uh, was, we were in the Westbury. That was, we're in the Westbury. I just thought of it now, the Westbury. But, and the Westbury's behind the, the gardens in there, and we were there, and, and Al Arbor's laying in bed, and, um, and he's saying to this guy, and I'm not going to say his name. Is you know, if you work hard, you work hard. He says, you can become, uh, you know, in the National Hockey League and you can become the American League. <laughs> and this guy, I mean, what? Yeah, I'm going to make the National Hockey League. I'll be like you rolling around blocking shots. No way. Anyhow, and, 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 and for some reason, they broke a lot, a lot of glasses and stuff in the room that day. And so Daryl, he's pretty sharp. He takes off. I stay and clean it up, and guess what? The woman, the woman that cleans up, is waiting for me outside, and she's telling, "Look at this bum," and I, and I'm the guy that's trying to clean it up. But I never forgot this guy, and I hate to say it, and I'm not mentioning his name. But one time I'm fast asleep, and I feel something warm on me, and <laughs> he's got up, he's had a few beers, and you know he's not, and he, he, thinks I'm the toilet. Did I say more? Thought the stuff warm on me like that. I'll tell you this guy, he was a great guy, and um, he's. I, and if he's, and I know he's listening right now, he's laughing. He said, uh, "I, you know, I never forgot to, when we used to go to a bar. He never he didn't care about money or anything like that. And we'd walk in, and the cheapies on the oh, there's a lot of cheapies on the, in on hockey and that, and he'd throw a twenty dollar bill on the, and he didn't care. He just throw a twenty dollar bill. And that's that's four days, four days of of uh, money we used to get like that." Well, actually, five days. Now that I think of it, we usually get four dollars a day, and the cheapies in that would point to his twenty to take it out. I used to take care of him that way, and um, I tell you, he was a great guy. And uh, I'm not going to say anything more because you'll know who it is. But he was a roommate, a young guy, and he straightened out. And right now, he's uh, he he doesn't touch a drop right now, and he he goes around, and um, I guess he goes to colleges and things like that, and talk about the evils of drink. Uh, I, I still have a few. Well, I, I have to talk about my, and I can name this guy. Uh, his name was Ralph Willis. He was my first roommate that I had when I was in Barrie uh, when we won the Memorial Cup. And I remember um, I, the first, the first room I had, roommate I had, believe it or not, two guys uh, sleeping in a single bed. And I, I said, I just can't put up with this anymore. So we went, it was Fred Pletch was the other guy. And he had a room by himself and I slept with Ralph. And the only problem with Ralph is he used to smoke, and he'd read westerns and gray. I remember he used to read them all the time, and I'm trying to sleep and everything. But anyhow, we had a, we slept good in the whole deal. Till I remember the play, he broke his nose. It was a stick. He broke his nose, and from then on he snored, which was really tough. But I was happy to be along with him, and uh, it was uh, it was it was a lot of fun. And he was a lot of guy. I remember, he had a car, and we went to Hershey. We stayed at a place called a Coco Inn in Hershey, my first year pro. And uh, you know I remember about the, the first year at Coco Inn? I think we paid 15 cents because it was owned by the Hershey Estates. Him and I roomed together in a room. We each had a single bed. I remember a great explosion. I mean, I, 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 this is, uh, we're getting off the topic here. And a house, absolutely two old people lived in it. And it was a gas leak. And it wasn't far from Coco Inn. It absolutely leveled the whole deal. But we stayed at the Cocoa Inn, 15 cents, back in Barrie. I'd like to t- tell a little story then, I never, when I never forgot. We're back in Barrie. Now, you must remember, we're, we're billeted. I think that's what they call it. Fred, Fred Prutch had his room, and Ralph and I had another room. Now, we used to have dinner at 5 o'clock every night. The husband would come home, and the landlady had cooked a duck, and the duck was uh, I hate to say it was spoiled but she'd been with it all day cooking it all day and she never noticed because she used to serve great great meals and everything I remember the um, the husband he tasted it, and he left it, and the two daughters left and Fred and just her and I were at the table and uh, I forced it down I ate it and uh, because that's the way that I was taught way it was taught you never make fun of people or anything like that. And two days later, she said, you know, she apologized to me. She says, my husband told me that uh, the duck was spoiled, and my daughters told me. And to think that you stayed there and ate the duck, that just shows you what kind of a guy I am. Yeah, I guess I was stupid. <laughs> Anyhow, it was, it was a great t- I never forgot that there, The spo- and I call it the, the deal of the spoiled duck. Now, I'd like to tell you about my very first time away from home. I was like a mama's boy. I never went out. I, all I did was stay around the house. I remember I painted the house and everything. And nobody from the east, like from Kingston or that, ever made the National Hockey League back in my day. They're all from St. Catharines. The, there was more players come out of St. Catharines at the time, Ontario. So I remember I took the train from Kingston. I remember my mom crying and everything. And I'm going to a Boston rookie camp. And I checked in the Queen's Hotel in Barrie at 11 o'clock at night, the train never got in, it was, it was late o'clock, and he said, well, here's your key, and you have to sleep with somebody, there's four to a room, and I never slept with anybody, or I'd never been in a room room where four guys or anything, so yeah, I come in, and I never forgot the guy's name, no, I better not say his name, so I, he was from Port Dover, and I told him to get over. I mean, I didn't, what am I, it was so embarrassing to tell a guy to get over. Now, from then on, he seemed to hate me. I don't know, if, uh, I, it wasn't my fault. I got in late. I was so, so homesick. And I'll never forget, he sang a little song. Uh, when um, when things get rough, we get tough. We're from Port Dover or something like that. So, uh, That's a pretty tough guy. And he was an, he was an older guy. And I used to sing that all the time to bug him. So anyhow, I was 16 years old. And Harold Cotton, a lot of people remember Baldy Cotton, they used to call him, he used to be in the hot, uh, he used to be in the hot stove league, he used to talk all the time. Anyhow, he was a chief scout. And I couldn't stand it. I I was physically sick. And you see these kids, when they go away to play junior hockey, 16 and 17, I was actually physically sick. And I just grabbed my skates and come home. And I remember I was in the kitchen and... He called and, and he said, "We don't know where he is, Mrs. Cherry. He just disappeared." He says, "Well, he grabbed his skates and come home." I never forgot that it was my first year. The second year, I must talk about sometime. The second year, when I knew I went away, uh, I was still homesick. But when uh, you see all these kids billeting and everything like that, give them a little sympathy because they all they are homesick just like I was. You know, Tim, the other roommate I had, I think I was my second year uh was Larry the Rock Zydell, maybe the most one of the most one of the most vicious guy I think I I had a, every roommate I have was vicious now we heard about this guy uh, I know he played in the WHL and him and another guy got into a stick fight at the end there was splitters of sticks I mean this this guy was scary Larry this it's funny thing when he was finished that uh, when he was finished playing hockey he was uh a stock guy. He used to make a lot. He made a lot of money, but I remember my very first time. I was on defense with him, and I remember the first guy he cut. Now nah, that's an awful thing to say, it was one of the Hannigans. Now I don't know if it was Gordy or Ray. It wasn't Pat, but it was one of the Hannigans. I think it was Gordy. So I, and I, I'm a 20 year old guy, and I'm sitting and I'm looking at this guy. Believe it or not, he's sitting there. He's cut along his his his, his uh, temple. And every time his, his heartbeat, boom, the, the blood would come out. Boom, boom. Now, I'm 20 years old. I've never seen anything like this in my life before. And he won't leave the penalty box. He will not leave the penalty box. And, I, you know, I, I'm sitting there scared. Not scared, but like, what the world's going on here? and he's got a cut about uh, about two inches long, and the blood is, blood is pouring out, and his brother comes over to him. He says, come on, you got to get in and get stitched up. He says, no, nah, I'm going to kill that guy. I'm going to kill him. It was Larry he was talking about. I'm going to kill him when I get in. I guess you went, and his brother, I remember his brother saying, you're not going to kill anybody. You're going to bleed to death. So he left, and I guess he cooled down, then because nobody fooled around with this guy. I mean, this guy was Larry the Rock Seidel. That, and believe me, when they call him the Rock and uh, I remember we be behind the net, and he said, "Dawn, we should do this. He, he called me Don the same way as uh, Gary, uh, <laughs> Gary Bettman. Dawn, he says, here's what we do. Now, in football, what they do is they call X and O's. He says, when you get the puck back in the net, call her X, X. Uh, I say, okay, Larry. So went along with it. Oh, and Obi O'Brien, uh, uh, the captain of the team, told me a story. That he had to go to a doctor on the road, and Larry always liked to have Larry liked to have his gloves broken in right. So he's in the doctor's room in the back, and all of a sudden the bottles start bouncing around, and they go out in they go out in the and there's Larry pounding the wall. He says, "I got to break in these gloves. I got to break in these gloves." Listen, I'll tell you, boy, he was a tough guy. I remember one time when I played for Springfield. Now he's not my roommate anymore because I'm playing for Springfield. A great guy named Pete, Pete Conacher, one of the Conacher guys, scored a goal. And I'm I, it was my fault. And I remember I ran him into the boards after. And Larry came in and cross-checked me, hit me first thing in the boards. And I chased him around. Larry, he couldn't throw him. But boy, was he murdered with that stick. Anyhow, I now I've set it up there. I like to hear how quiet. we got a little conversation on uh, the grape line. You no, know, I call it the grape when I was on the grape line. I call it the grapevine and now I'm on the grape line I call it the grapevine anyhow. Here's Larry the rocks. boy. He was a scary guy roommates, you never let me
3: sleep I You always were up. I walk.
0: tried on I, I tried. was
3: coming in from the bars and he was going out for a walk so What's going on? I here? used to get pumped up.
0: Yeah, I wanted to win so bad And it's tough to get unwound, even walk racehorses. Don't they, after the race, they walk the horse? Well,
3: you're supposed to go out and have a few pints. You never did. That's where I made my mistake.
0: I know the guys would tell me that, hey, you gotta have a few beers Just a couple. so we could
3: sleep. Just a little glow.
0: But the stuff didn't agree with me. Listen. I'd get a headache.
3: (laughs) 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 I got a headache after. Now, I used to have that oil treatment you used to put on. That used to bug me. Three o'clock in the morning, I look up, He's sitting with a towel on his head with oil. What's going on? Well, I was just restless. Sometimes I'd take a bath too, or I'd go for a walk. Three o'clock in the morning. Here's a bathtub going, oil treatments and everything. No wonder I didn't make it the NHL.
0: Don, I tried hard. When you started to complain, I didn't put any lights on. I didn't take a bath. And then and then you said he breathes too hard <laughs> kept me up all night he breathes too hard Well
3: you used to snore pretty good I'll tell you that Well I didn't now, know about that Remember remember the time no. you're waking me up you, you want to get in the penalty box parade, right? You want to beat me. Look at this. You're beating me in the pen. box. Four o'clock in the morning, you're showing me a paper. You remember that? I was pumped up, man. Team player, pumped Imagine up. rooming with this guy. <laughs> remember, remember the time Ian Cushman and I yeah. had a great fight in Cleveland? Do you remember that? We wrecked the that. penalty box. That was a good one. That, that was man. a good one. And the cops would come over and put a club right on my head. Now, I want to ask you, yeah. why did you pick up? the penalty box door and throw it out on the ice.
0: Why did I do that? Why didn't you do that? First, I want to tell them that you're really a good sport, because before you got in a fight, you were like a matchmaker. You say, "Yeah, you want to go? OK, let's go. Let's go. All right, let's go.. That's right. In my day, if I talked to an opponent before I got in a fight I caught more hell. You were supposed to just walk in there and plan them one. Yeah. Okay? All right? So I got a kick out of you kids, like I'm older than you. I said, boy, these guys are polite. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, let's go. You you "Bring the penalty box. Yeah, well, hey, picture this. Picture this right now. We'd go to the penalty box in our day, and they'd have a Pinkerton guard sitting there between the two... Bats. That's right. That's right. Okay, so you'd have a go on the ice, huh? You'd have That's a go right. on you the ice. It. Yeah. Now you go to the penalty box, and you're still steaming, right. and you're looking across at the guy. You know, you got to get yeah. even. Right. This poor Pinkerton the guy say right sitting there, like this, like that. And there's a little—it's like a phone booth. Yeah. And there's three from one team and three players from the other yeah. team in this little phone booth. <laughs> yeah. Now the rumble starts, huh? and everybody's fighting. The pink can guard, he's down on the floor, okay? <laughs> The, it's so crowded, the hinges come off. The oh. door. Oh, that, really? The hinges right. has come off the door. Now this guy I'm fighting with, I trip over the I trip over the door that's on the ground and nearly get killed, but I recover and I'm angry at the door, but I don't want to quit. I said, God damn door. I pick the door up, throw it on the ice so now I can get back at him, see? All right? Well, that I'm door. Why you're doing that. well I do it.
2: Yeah, a lot of people in the National Hockey League would remember he got in a stick fight with Eddie Shaq, and they were both cut, and uh, I could go on and on about that one, but that was uh, that's what a lot of people would remember, that one. I was Larry the Rock Seidel. Uh, hockey players were kind of stupid back in those days. We thought it was very, very funny to put uh, bobby pins in his bag, and his wife was very, very jealous. I don't know why she was jealous of him, but she was beautiful, and uh, she left him. She went back to, to Montreal. I don't know whatever happened. But another story i have to tell you we had a goaltender backup goaltender we had two goaltenders and he was a, a kleptomaniac the only time i've ever run in, in anybody that uh, was a kleptomaniac and when he, he he would be and when he played junior he used to steal uh butter and 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 bread off the, and he could have had it free but he used to take it and put it in his room anyhow it was really funny. Every when he'd leave the when he'd leave the practice, everybody would leave the practice. And one day, uh, at the end of the season, Larry's in his apartment, and uh, and this guy comes to visit him. And um, he said, "Oh, that was nice to come to visit him." And as this guy's leaving, he's goodbye, Larry. Uh, I'll see you. and, you know, and uh, he told him where he was going to cross the border. And here he looks out, and here's the guy who's stolen all his patio furniture. Anyhow, he knew he was going to cross the border. He told the guy to stop him then. But I have to tell you a story. I think it tells about why everybody was afraid of Larry the Rock Zidell. Now, this guy this guy was terrific. I'm not going to mention his name. He was a terrific young player. He was going to go to the – you had to play – back in those days, you had to spend two or three years, at least two years, or in, in the American Hockey League to learn how the pros go. And this guy had a terrific, terrific – year he had a 37 goals i'll never forget it but he, he you know to antagonize uh larry Zydell. He, he get out the red line he dump it in he say, go chase it larry go chase it larry and I, you know i told him, one of the guys says, leave this guy alone don't 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 bug don't bug this Zidel guys leave him alone no no so he comes the red lines again and he said dumps it again go chase it larry and he takes the stick i'll never forget it as long as i live. And drives him right in the nose, and the kid goes down, and everybody gathers around. Now, nobody wants them, like all his teammates, because we think the guy is almost dead. And nobody wanted, and Larry skated around, skated around the outside of the circle of looking at these guys. You go chase it, Bo. You go chase it, Bo. I never forgot that. The kid was never the same. He never made the National Hockey League. He stayed in the American League like the rest of us. The one thing you never did was bug. Larry the Rock Zydell. You know, Tim, I, when I think of, of Christmas, and I, I think of all the times, we always played Christmas Day. We always had Christmas. We had it on Christmas Eve. Everybody else, you'd get your toys before, and Cindy and Tim would always have the toys before. The reason was we always played, like I said, Christmas Day. And you used to have uh, turkey and dressing and cranberries, and I used to love it. And, you know, I was one of those stupid guys that I, I, I had to have my steak. So for 10 years, I had a steak. Well, you guys are having all this turkey. And I said, not nah, a heck with it. One day, I'm going to have turkey. So this game, this time, I'm going to have the turkey and the dressing. And I remember Rose kept saying, yeah, I think you're eating a little too much. Ah, I'm going to have some more. I'm going to have some more. So sure enough, we play that afternoon and I'm full of turkey and dressing and the whole deal, but I think I can get away with it. And there was this guy that, I know we were playing Quebec, and this guy named Guy Rousseau, and he's a little guy, and I knew I knew I should not never gone near him, but what he would do, and I, they don't do it anymore, but if you ran out to hit him, he would jump, and his behind would hit you, cold bang, like that. So like a fool, full of turkey, full of dressing. I run out to hit him, and he jumped and hit me right in the stomach. And let's say, folks, I don't know how to say this. I know you're having dinner and that. I was sick on the ice. I'll tell you one thing. From that day on, I never had anything but steak or roast beef day of the game. Well, Tim, it's been uh, seven weeks, I think, since I was uh, let go. Shall we say let go? You know, and and a lot of people ask me. They say, uh, "Do you miss it?" And I said, "Well, you do something for 40, close to 40 years. I mean, I thought I was going to go on for everything." You know, it was fun this year. I was on a roll. I mean, I this is a I was, really felt good this year. I was on a roll, and to be honest with you, you know, I I, I, I do I do miss it on, on Saturdays night. I missed I missed a lot of people down there. I miss Sully, which was the cameraman. We used to we used to sit there after and work on it and look pretty good. I miss Andrew, the lighting guy. I think Barbara Walters said it best. And she says, I'll last as long as the, the lighting guy is good. Andrew did a good job. He learned from Tony. Kathy used to do uh, Coach's Corner. I don't know what I'd do without her. And Kevin, the floor director. I mean, uh, Stanley, the stat guy. And, uh, you know, I, I and 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 I re- used, used to, listen, a lot of people, I used to say Gill and the Lily with Leanne, the makeup. Though I I do miss, I, miss, I have a lot of fun. I support Snutton. You know, a lot of and uh, hockey night in Canada. A lot of people think, "Are you bitter?" Yeah, I'm not bitter. It was it was the, it was time to go. 35 or 35 or 38 years, I what it was. They did their thing, and I had to do my thing. Uh, I I I have no. Uh, I'm not bitter about the whole thing at all. It's uh, time to go, and uh, it. Uh, but I do miss it.
1: So, Dad, one thing we decided to do we we're going to start taking questions from all the Twitter followers and people on Facebook. I hear we have uh, 500 people wrote
2: in questions. I would like to answer them all. Uh, I've answered a few of them g- coming up, but uh, 500. And what do you say? T- you say a f- a half a million people have listened to yep, this broadcast?
1: Yeah, we've had a half a million downloads. So what we're going to do is Thursdays, we're going to uh, put up a new uh, podcast every Thursday, and we're just going to be asking or answering questions from the audience. So that look, look for that from Thursday. And I'll be great.